So we're going to be in Acts 28. But I want to... um, Let's pray. Uh, Lord, thank you for our time together. And Lord, um, just help me uh, make sense of the things you put in my heart and in my head. And Lord, that um, you would be glorified uh, through all of this and that, uh, Lord, you would challenge us uh, at the same time. So we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So... Acts 28, we're going to start out. I want to preface this by um, talking about two words, inconvenient, inconvenient. Now, we've all heard of, well, I think a lot of us heard of the phrase, an inconvenient truth something that Al Gore dumped on us a long time ago. But, you know, that's, I stole the the title from him because I really believe that as believers, the inconvenient truth is that if we want to serve the Lord effectively and efficiently, we need to die to ourselves. You know, and that's, um, that's a, Something that, you know, we fight and kick against all the time. Now, as we've been going through the book of Acts, we've, um, you know, we've noticed um, the character of folks that we've read about, good and bad character, right? But I wanted to, I wanted to give you a definition of both, and then we're going to circle back to this Um, towards the end of the message. But convenient is easy or comfortable for use, suited to a person's comfort, um, or easy use, uh, trouble-free. So convenient is trouble-free. You know, it's, it's easy, suitable. I mean, that would be nice, right? That would be good. Nice, cushy kind of faith like that. Inconvenient, though, is... Difficult, troublesome, bothersome, problematic, disruptive, untimely, ill-timed, unfavorable, um, disadvantageous, irritating, annoying, worrisome, and distressing. So um, what a difference, right, between the two. It's, it's important that we, we realize that, that, our, you know, that our faith is inconvenient at times. And I really think that it's um, weakened the effectiveness of the church. Because as we've been going through the book of Acts, the disciples, the apostles... You know, those folks that were called and, you know, have been mentioned in the book of Acts. Um, life was inconvenient for them. Serving the Lord was something that, you know, they had to make a conscience effort to do knowing that there was going to be some resistance. Knowing that there was going to be some persecution. Knowing that they were going to have to deal with 
the Roman government. All of it was an inconvenient thing when you think about, you know, what they, what they went through. The reason I really believe that they, they just worked right through it, and, you know, it's, you don't read about a lot of complaining in the book of Acts. Right, you know, you don't. Oh, you know, they don't. You know, you don't catch Paul or Peter writing or, you know, being quoted as, "Oh, I just can't wait till this is over." You know, I can't. I just can't handle this anymore. No, they knew what they were. They knew what they were called to do. Paul knew in Acts chapter nine exactly that God was going to use them and there was going to be tribulation involved. And why do we think that that can't happen to us? As soon as, I mean, eventually after we got saved, somebody told us that we're called to die to ourselves. Not a real convenient thing, right? You know, to die to ourselves. And, you know, if there has to be a death if we're going to serve the Lord effectively. There has to be. And I know you guys know that. What makes it easier are these three... Um, <laughs> These three points, they're, they're obvious as we read through Acts, and they're still obvious for us today as we, um, as we live out our faith. Three points that are so true, that God is faithful, where God guides, he also provides, and where God guides, he also protects. I really believe that these first century, these first century church saints believe that right to the core of who they were. And where God guides, he protects. We've seen it all the way through the book of Acts. You know, trusting the Lord and God being there every step of the way. And, you know, we need to incorporate that into our lives today. We got to get to that place where we truly know that God is faithful to where we truly know that if, you know, if God guides me into this direction, he's going to provide. And you know what? If there is resistance along the way, if you're, you encounter resistance when you're there where God's called you, guess what? He's going to protect. And those are truths. Those, I mean, there is no doubt about God's faithfulness. As sure as this book is the word of God, yet God is faithful. And... All throughout the book of Acts, we have witnessed that time and time again. Paragraph after paragraph, page after page, chapter after chapter, city after city, situation after situation, God was faithful. There was, there was, there was no doubt. And we need to, um, you know, we need to let, let that sink in. You know, because we think... The times were difficult when the book of Acts was written. But the similarities are scary when you look at the way things are today. And I'm telling you right now, the best thing to combat everything that's going on in the world is to cultivate your relationship with the Lord to another level. To pursue your relationship with the Lord to be in the word of God, to pray. Um, you know, ask God to show you things. You know, you know it's drawing closer to him because that, that's where our strength comes from. And these saints in the, first test, in, in the book of Acts, they knew that. 
They knew that, um, that everything that they needed, God was going to provide. They were, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, they didn't have the word of God like we have it today. But you know what? They were, when Paul spoke, he was speaking the word of God pretty much. So as we get into Acts 28, you know, think about this stuff. We're going to take communion tonight. It wasn't convenient for Jesus to go to the cross, but he did it for us. So, and this isn't a, um, well, I guess maybe it is. Um, Maybe tonight you can go home and think about um, the conveniences in your life and see which one of them are keeping you from serving the Lord. And I'll tell you what, I mean, I am, I am guilty to, you know, I am, I'm guilty of this. There's times when I'm home and I don't want to go out for, to do something. Um, if it's real cold on a Saturday, the first Saturday of the month, you know, I'm struggling to go out the door to go to the Father's heart. You know, why? Because it's inconvenient. It's cold out. I don't, you know, do you know what I, do you guys understand what I'm saying? All right, Acts 28, let's read verses 1 and 2. It says now, oh, well, let me give you a little, you guys understand that Acts 27, Paul is on his way to Rome to go before Caesar. He um, is on this ship with 276 souls. Julius is the centurion who's in charge. And um, they're on their way. Um, They end up getting blown off course by a storm. (laughs) (laughs) They probably could have avoided that if they would have listened to Paul. Paul told them, hey, look, guys, it really isn't a good idea to continue. Let's stay here till the winter's over. But... Um, you know, why would they take advice from Paul? We talked about that um, last month. I mean, he's a preacher. Um, he's not a sailor. Um, so they, kind of, they went along with, you know, the captain of the boat and the centurion who was in charge. But we talked about Paul having a lot of experience being shipwrecked, right? He said he was shipwrecked three times. So he knew what that was all about. But they, um, they continue on. They end up getting blown off course during this horrible storm for over 14 days and nights, have no idea where they are. The Lord um, will, will, I'm going to read something out of Acts 27 in a little bit, but, you know, the Peter, I mean, Paul hears from the Lord. He makes a speech on the ship. They follow his instructions. They crash the ship on Malta. And uh, that's where we are. Everybody made it to shore, safe and sound. And that's what the Lord had predicted and told Paul. And um, in a couple seconds, we'll read that verse. But let's read these two verses to start out. It says, now when they had escaped, and that's, they escaped the, the shipwreck and are safe on the shore, they then found out that the island was called Malta. And the natives showed us unusual kindness for they kindled the fire and made us all, all, all 276 people feel welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. So Malta is a small little island. It's probably it's nine miles wide and 17 miles long, so it's not very big. 
And that's where they're shipwrecked. So Paul and these, well, Paul specifically is experiencing God's faithfulness again, God's protection and God's provision as he shipwrecked on Malta. And what I want to do is I just want to In Acts 27, I, I just want you guys to, to kind of set the, the scene for this. You know, this is when they realize that they're, they're gonna, they're gonna, the ship is going to crash. They still don't know where they are, but they know they're getting closer to shore. And, and this is, um, I mean, this just amazes me. While all of this craziness is going on, I really believe that Paul is below fasting and praying and seeking God's guidance. So he's in a storm. He's in a storm not by his own choosing. Um, He knows that it's God's will for him to go to Rome, but he finds himself in this storm. And things, I mean, when they throw everything off the ship, that, that has no use at all, when they start lightening the load, when the, the, these veteran sailors are worried about them not making it, Paul is praying and seeking the Lord. And, you know, the, the application is really simple for that one, right? No matter how difficult things get in life, the things that we face, the first approach, the best approach, is to just stop and seek the Lord. You know, just look to the Lord. Seek the Lord. Ask, you know, pray for guidance, direction. And this is, this is what Paul is telling the crew, everybody on the ship. Okay, let's pick up. In verse 18 of chapter 27, it says, The next day as we were being violently violently storm-tossed, they began to jettison the cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. Since neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small storm was assailing us. From From then on, all hope of our being saved was gradually abandoned. All hope's gone. You got, have you been there where you thought, hey, you know, there's no hope, right? So that's where they're at, but God, right? But God. Since neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small storm was assailing them, from then on all hope of our being saved was gradually abandoned. When they had gone a long time without food, Then Paul stood up in the midst and said, Men, you ought to have followed my advice and had not to have set sail from Crete and incurred this damage and loss. You know, and it sounds like Paul is saying, I told you so, but I think he's just trying to make a point. You didn't listen to me then, but listen to me now. And that should be our heart. You know, we should never look, you know, one another in the eye and say, well, gee, I told you so. You know, really, that's not really the heart that we should have. You know, somebody makes a mistake, you know, and you've talked about it prior to them. You know, you, 
you got to work through that. I, I, so I really believe Paul's heart is right. Okay, and he says, when they, yet, none, now, yet now I urge you to keep up your courage, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood before me. You know, in verse 22, I just kind of thought just came to my mind. He says, now I urge you to keep up your courage, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. You know, isn't that kind of weird? You know, when we get saved, there's, you know, we don't have to worry about losing our life. Just the ship, our body is, is going to get tossed. But you know what? We're, we're, we're locked in. You know, we're locked in to glory. So, you know, Paul is encouraging them. In, in verse 24, saying, do not be afraid. This is what the angel said, you know, to Paul. Do not be afraid, Paul, for you must stand before Caesar and behold, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you. So God answered Paul's prayer. He's granting them these 276 souls that are on that ship. You know, God is saying, Paul, you're going to get to Caesar, and because of your praying, you, you interceded, I'm going, to, I'm going to answer that prayer, and I'm going to save all these guys' lives because of your praying. Never underestimate the power of prayer. It's powerful. It's powerful. You know, pray, pray, pray. Okay, where do you leave off? Therefore... Keep up your courage, men, for I believe, God, that it will turn out exactly as I have told, as I have been told. But we must run aground on a certain island. So that's, that's what these guys are holding on to, a word from Paul, from the Lord. And it's, it's just amazing to see that. And, you know, Paul tells them we have to run aground on this certain island. And that certain island is Malta. And I mentioned this before, but it's just kind of funny. You know, people, you know, when that you kind of disagree about, you know, you talk to people, you witness to them, and they'll say, well, you know, what about those people on this lost island someplace? You know, what about them? Well, here's one answer. You know, these people on Malta, they got Paul the Apostle. <laughs> You know, you got, he got, they got the cream of the crop, really, when you think about, I mean, if somebody's going to witness to them. But it's just, it's, it's, it's all the Lord. It's all the Lord. God's providence had brought them through the storm and basically back on course. And, you know, we ask ourselves the question, why, why the storms? You know, why God? You know, God takes us from point A to point B, and in between the two, there's a difficulties, there's a storm. But that's... Um, I think we've all have lived long enough here to know that that's life. That's life. God uses those things, though, in our life to cultivate our faith. God uses difficulties, giving us an opportunity to extend brotherly love to each other, um, to live out, um, you know, the whole purpose of the church. We're the body of Christ. So, this, what, what did this particular storm accomplish? And you could kind of think of these things as I'm saying them, and, you know, maybe you can make an application with some of these in your own heart. The first thing is it captured everyone's attention. 
276 souls on board knew that they were at the mercy of the storm. They were helpless. They became aware of their need of a savior. They needed somebody to, to save them, right? So it put them, it, it made them mindful or made them aware of their need for a savior. You know, that's what the Holy Spirit does, right? Bears a witness to us, gets us to that place where, you know, we know that we need a savior. 276 souls on board would be brought to the place of decision. Is this God of Paul's able to save us? Of course, the answer will be yes, but will they accept it? You know, do you think everybody on the ship that made it through safe got saved? I don't know. You know, we know people that have had all kinds of things. God has done miracles. They've seen and witnessed things, but still yet, they're not saved. I think Pastor Rob mentioned it this morning about miracles. Not all mir- you know, people, miracles don't save everybody. You know, but, um, you know, they have an opportunity. They had an opportunity to respond. And everybody has an opportunity to respond. And we know that, you know, what they respond, if it's accepting the Lord or not, that's, that's something that's between them and the Lord, as we share with them. The third thing is the storm did eventually get them back on course, bringing them to that certain island that we talked about. Fourth thing, there, there was opportunities for ministry to the natives as well as the 276 souls on board. Paul was bitten by a viper and lives. God heals Publius's dad and everyone else on the island that's sick. That's awesome. We're going to read that. That is really, what, a, what an outcome of being shipwrecked. The last one is God gave Paul and his shipmates favor with the natives who eventually provided food and supplies for the last leg of their trip up to Rome. So that storm really accomplished a lot. So let me say it again. God is faithful. Where God guides, he also provides. Where God guides, he also protects. So important for us to remember that. Verse 3, but when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. (laughs) Remember, where God guides, he also protects. Right? So Paul is is helping bring wood to the fire, and it's, it's something that if you take the time to try to think about what's happening here, there's... They land on the shore of Malta, and it's on a man named Publius. We're going to read a little bit about him. It's on his property. There's 276 men, and well, I'm, I'm not sure if there were women mixed in, but it's raining, it's cold, they were shipwrecked, they haven't, I mean, they've been out to sea, tossed and shuffled all over the place, and now here they are. It must have been a huge fire. You know, it says a fire. But, I mean, try to think about what, what's going on in their minds now. And to think that how God had blessed them, 
with, I mean, the people there were friendly. They took care of them. They provided for them. And that's all the Lord's provision. But I was trying to just think of what it must have been like. And, you know, here's Paul. You know, probably could have at that point sat by the fire and got warm. But no, he's not doing that. He's getting wood for the fire. He's serving. He's not, you know, he's serving, you know, he's serving these people. And I'm thinking to myself, he must think that, hey, these people are blessing us. They're taking care of us, so you know what? I'm going to join in, man. I'm going to, I'm going to, I want, I'm going to serve with them. And, and what, does, you know, what, what does he get for doing that? <laughs> a viper latches onto his hand. And, you know, some of the stuff that I read about that is, you know, the vipers, because of the weather is cool, they kind of get dormant. But as soon as Paul got, it must have been in the woodpile Paul had, as soon as he got close to the fire, it kind of warmed up. And the viper, boom, came, you know, woke up and latched on uh, to Paul's hand. So it's just, um, it's just amazing, you know, just trying to think of what it would be like. So in verses 4 and 6, 4 through 6, um, it really highlights how, how fickle or how impulsive we could be at times, thinking or, you know, maybe even judging a situation. In verses uh, 4 through 6, it says, So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand... I love the language in the Bible. The creature, this creature's hanging on his hand, you know. I don't know how big those vipers are, but it's hanging on him. And they said to one another, Oh, no doubt this man is a murderer, whom, though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow, um, does not allow to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. All right, so yeah, how impulsive and fickle is that? It's like one minute they think he's going to fall over, and the next minute, um, you know, they, they think he's a god. And, you know, there was, um, I think it was X. 14, where they, um, they called Paul and um, Barnabas gods. They thought they were these gods, you know. They dealt with that situation differently. Here, I think Paul and Barnabas, I mean, Paul isn't saying anything derogatory about it because he understands where they're coming from. They're not trying to worship him. They're just thinking if the snake didn't kill him, he must be some kind of god because he's still alive. But, you know, it's going to open the door, of course, for Paul to share with them. And, you know, what I, I thought that, you know, for us, it's an illustration of the fickleness and changeableness of the human heart. And, you know, at times, you know, we're um, a little too quick to judge, you know, we see something, and okay, I know that. You know, you, you know, we don't, we don't take, we don't take the time. We're just impulsive. We see something, and because we we see something, we think it's something, and you know, we respond as opposed to just let me pray about that, or you know, maybe there's a different explanation for this. And 
you know, it, it is important for us to understand that. And, you know, as believers, sometimes we need to learn to just take a breath. You know, just, okay, you know, just take it, just relax. Don't get sidetracked. Don't, you know, just take a breath and relax. You know, what happens is sometimes we just get tossed to and fro with stuff. You know, and the big thing is today with everything that's happening in the world, we can get so caught up in that. But you know what, Paul, I love what Paul says in Ephesians, gives us some really some sound advice. In Ephesians 4, verses 14 through 16, um, Paul says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of man and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. What does he say? But speaking the truth in love, that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, for whom the whole body joined and knit together by every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. You know, it's all about being in Christ. It's all about, you know, being Christ-minded. Casting, you know, having our mind, um, you know, in, in, in um, Colossians it talks about, you know, having our minds, you know, not on earthly things but heavenly things. You know, just having the focus totally on, on Christ and what he's doing in our lives. You know, that's what, and I mentioned it earlier, and, I, you know, I guess I want to emphasize it again. Our relationship with the Lord and cultivating that is the most important thing we can do today. It is, because I'll give you a perfect example. What about Paul? Paul's relationship with the Lord, and, don't, and there's no excuse here that oh, he was Paul. Okay, because Paul, Paul, I, I'm assuming, um, was human just like us, right? He was, he was just a man. But you know what made, what made Paul who Paul was is his faith in God, understanding that the, the stronger his relationship with the Lord was, the, the stronger, the more effective his life could be. And, you know... I'll be the first to admit it. Sometimes, you know, you can get caught up in what's going on out there. But you know what? You, you got you to gotta do whatever you have to do to deal with all of that. But I just want to encourage you guys. It's working on your relationship with the Lord, cultivating that closeness, that intimacy with the Lord. That really is the solution. Because you know what? If you get to interact with folks out there, you're giving them a whole different perspective. You're sharing the heart of God. You're giving them the grace of God. Even if they don't agree, you still have the opportunity to be a light and to be a witness. And if, if your heart is right before the Lord, your interactions with people are going to be right. You know, Paul, is, was, was what, he was brought before kings, you know, governors, Paul's heart was right with the Lord, and when he got to speak in front of these guys, it was, it was the gospel. He just shared the love of Christ with them. You know, of course, defending himself, you know, making his case. But at the same time, 
um, God gave him the words that he needed for every situation he was in. And that's what we need. You know, Proverbs tells us not to lean on our own understanding, but in, in everything acknowledge him, right? And that's what we need to get in that habit of doing. All right, verse 7. So in that region there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. So Publius is um, a leading citizen on the island, um, a wealthy Roman official, and he received Paul and his friends. I don't know if it's Paul and Luke who, or whoever was with him or if it was everybody, but um, it says that he entertained them. He provided accommodations for them. And keep in mind, they're going to be there for three months, so they actually were building them or providing with them some temporary, some temporary housing for them to stay. So these guys, I mean, they're truly blessed. You know, everybody on that ship is truly blessed. And it's, it's because of Paul. It's because of Paul standing in the gap and praying and seeking the Lord and, you know, following through by giving them, um, you know, what the Lord gave him, the instructions that the Lord gave him. And it's so obvious that, you know, that's how it works. That's how it works. You know, we go out into the world that's sinking, that is, is in this horrible storm, and God has given us the word for them. You know, and are they going to believe it? Are they going to receive it? Well, we don't know. That's between them and the Lord. We need to be faithful to share that word. And for us to um, have um, really the courage to do that, because I really believe that it takes courage to just walk up to a stranger and start witnessing to them or to walk up to a, you know, a crowd of people and just trying to strike up a conversation. But those are, those are things that, that we get better at as we trust the Lord. You know, so, you know, these, these folks on the island, these 276 sailors, even Publius, we're going to see, and the people on this island are going to benefit because they heeded the word of God, these, these folks on that ship, and they're benefiting the results of that. So let's read verses 9 and 10, and then we'll be have communion tonight. So, yeah, we'll go a couple more minutes. So when they had done, when this was, yeah, so when this was done, all right, I missed the verse. Verse 8, sorry. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. So Paul went into him and prayed, and he laid hands on him and healed him. So the influence, Paul's influence, and the influence really of the Holy Spirit now is, is spreading even out further. Publius' dad is sick. Paul goes in, visits with him, prays with him, and he gets healed. And what he had... And this is, you know, I'm not quite, you know, there's a few different thoughts about what he had. But the dysentery that he had 
could have been like a gastric fever caused by um, like a microbe that was found in goat's milk uh, that was common in, in Malta. Even, even today, it's still common. Or it could, you know, there, there, says, there was some conversation about um, poor, poor sanitation, uh, which was widespread in the ancient world. So it could have been a number of different things, but the, the, the key point here is that whatever it was, God healed it. And it's interesting, it's just, Publius blesses Paul and these guys on the ship, and, you know, it just keeps going. God blesses Publius. Paul prays for his dad. His dad gets saved. And, you know, verse, verse 9 and 10 really are really just awesome verses. And it says, so when they had done, when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. Wow. Some of the stuff you don't even need to comment on, you know. I mean, really, what? How do you comment on that? Everybody else on the island, they come and pop, they get healed. Now, this is something they should put on TV as a healing service because it wouldn't be like anyone you've ever seen. This is, it's, it's rainy. Um, you know, it's probably maybe a little nicer. I've never been to Malta. It must be nice at some time of the year, but it doesn't make a difference. Publius's dad gets healed the word gets out and people, everybody that's sick comes for prayer and gets healed. You know, that's, you know, that's the, the power of the Holy Spirit moving in a situation that at one time nobody thought, I mean, they never thought they were going to make it to the island. And it's interesting, the chain of events that happened, all these positive things that God did because one man just took a stand and said, Hey, look, I told you guys we should have stayed back at Fair Havens, but okay, we all make mistakes. But look, here's what the angel of the Lord told me last night. And he gives them that advice. He gives them the word and they accept it. And God blessed that. God blessed that. And I don't really know the, the reason why they, had, they went to Malta. I mean, it was on, eventually would have been on the way to Rome, but it's just so mind-blowing to think. Uh, an island nine miles wide and 17 miles long, everybody on that island that was sick came to Paul for prayer. And I'm sure Luke, I mean, Luke's the physician. He's praying with these guys. You know, at this point, you know, they're, keep in mind, they're there three months they probably had a church by the time Paul left. You know, I mean, think of just when you get home tonight, just lay in bed and think about all of the different things that could have happened there. You know, people getting saved, families, you know, families getting saved. Just as the power of the Holy Spirit moved across that island. And that's the Lord. God is faithful. And look what happened. God provides. God provided. God protected. God did it all. all. All they, and I'm not minimizing it, they just had to believe. They just had to believe. And then everything else just started to fall into place. And you know what, guys? That's what we need to do. 
We need to believe the word of God. You know, because faith is believing the word of God and acting on it, no matter how we feel, because God promises a good result. It's believing the word of God and acting on it. And sure, um, you know, I don't know what your average is, your batting average when it comes to that, but, you know, nobody's batting a 1,000. Nobody's batting a 1,000, so that should be encouraging, you know. We, we just need to keep putting one foot in front of the other and just trusting the Lord. That's what we're seeing here. That's, you know, it, it's really not some deep theological truth. It's God is saying something, Paul is believing it and acting on it, and people are getting saved. God is moving in a powerful way. So think about that. Make the analogy now to what's going on out there. Crazy land, right? But when the church gets to the place, not this church because we're there. No, we might want to strike that, Tom. No, when, when the church gets to the place where they're believing that God is faithful, and they're believing that where God guides, he provides. And when they're believing that God guides and where he guides, he protects. And that nothing can happen to us unless God gives it the approval. Then, you know, it's, we need to get to that place before we, we can have an impact. And that's what it takes. Throughout the book of Acts, the church doesn't have an army. They don't have guns. They don't have, they don't, they don't have any of that. They're armed with the word of God. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. And they're believing God. They're believing the word of God. That's where we need to get, guys. That's the place God's calling us to, trusting him, and then just going out into, going out into the world and being a light. It's as simple as that. And we can make a difference when we start doing it. But there's a reason why we're the body of Christ. You know, it's difficult for one or two persons to get out and really do that stuff. You know, it's got to be the church and not just one church. There's a church in this country. There is a church that believes the word of God, right, that, that believes that, you know, God has ordained us to go out. We have a message you know, we, we, need to take, we need to take a stand for the word of God and those principles that are in it. So let's, um, we're going to do communion. I know it's a, a tad early, but that's okay. I want, to, um, I want to leave you guys with a thought about the convenient and inconvenient. And then we're... Aubrey's going to play a song, and you guys can come up and just grab communion, and then when you get back to your seats, we'll, we'll pray. But I, I was reading through the Gospels of Jesus' crucifixion. And, you know, he was, you know, brutally beaten for us. That thorn of crowns was not set on his head, was literally just crushed into his skull. Not, um, not a real convenient thing.
You know, and I, my prayer is that, you know, as we take communion, that, you know, we would truly understand what it did cost for us to do this. You know, what it cost for us to call ourselves children of God. What it costs for us to go home tonight and fall on our knees and ask God to forgive us of our sins because we have an advocate now. You know, this is... um, And I just pray that God stirs you up, just like he's been doing to me. And to, to the point where... Um, you know, the, the inconvenience of things, um, you know, it's inconvenient maybe. It's not convenient to come to the prayer on Tuesdays or come to Bible study or, you know, go out with the Father's heart. You know, every, you know we, we serve God when it's convenient. And I, I'm, you know, if there's a mirror right here, okay? And we, we, we just got to get past that, that whole mindset. And allow God to inconvenience us. Because Jesus gave it all. He gave it all for us. And, you know, we need to go out and do likewise. And when we don't, we do him a disservice. And, hey, look, none of us can walk on water. None of us are perfect. But, you know, I really believe that we need to take an inventory of our hearts and where we're at. And you know what? When we do that, God's not up there saying, like, Paul didn't tell those guys I told you so. You know, when we go to the Lord with, you know, like, God, you know, I'm just, like, blowing it here or there, and I just need to, you know, he's excited because, you know, he wants to empower us to get that victory. He knows that. When we get that victory, somebody else is going to benefit from it. And when the church starts to understand that, the community starts to benefit from that. So Jesus gave his all for us. You know, we need to seriously give that some thought. Well, Lord, we... uh, We're just so thankful for the cross, Lord, and and truly what was accomplished there, uh, Lord. We are um, overly joyed with what happened after that, your resurrection, and then eventually your ascension into glory. And and God, now we know that um, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. And uh, Lord, as we uh, take these elements, Lord, and do them in remembrance of you. I pray, God, that we would um, just remember um, the price that you paid, uh, that we would remember that it was the love that you have for us that brought you to that cross, and it was that love that you have for us that um, just you let nothing get in the way of that, and we're so thankful for that. And now there you are, seated in, in, in glory, making intercession for us. We're, we're truly blessed, so I pray as we take these elements, Lord, that, that we would um, really, in the depths of our heart, understand the reality of the cross and, 
the resurrection, the ascension, and where you are now. And really, uh, Lord, so excited about the fact that by the time we're done tonight, you could have raptured us into glory. Um, it's amazing, God. It's amazing. And we are just so thankful that, that we're yours. And I pray as we take these elements that we would just be mindful of that. So we thank you for that. And I just lift it all before you in Jesus' name. Amen. So partake, guys. The bread and the juice. Amen. Lord, just be with us as we travel home. Give us traveling mercies and just lift the rest of our night to you in Jesus' name. Amen.